0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop, presented by the Lunchpail Guys Sports Podcast. This is our Formula One spinoff show. If you like what you hear and you want more F1 content, you can leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Let us know on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore and subscribe to be notified of new episodes in the future. And you heard right. We got some racing content for you. This is Jared. I'm with Lucas here. We are recording after the Saudi Arabian GP and before Australia, which is happening this week. Um, obviously, like two weeks into the season, it appears we're shaping up for a, a first title fight that does not include Lewis Hamilton in close to a decade as the Mercedes car overall has lacked some pace. We'll get to that later. But Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen are doing are the leading contenders right now, it seems, for the World Drivers' Championship. So, Lucas, is it just between Charles and Max for the title? And if so, who has the edge right now?
1: I think looking at it just after the first two races, the whole battle that's unfolding, I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be Charles and Max. Um, and they're pretty much set up for a title fight this year. And everybody seems to be sort of acknowledging that in the Formula One world. Helen Marco said it the other day, um, midweek. And barring a dramatic, dramatic turnaround for Mercedes this season to get Lewis or maybe George Russell in the title fight, I think it's got to be down to these two guys. And even if Mercedes does turn around at this point, I don't know if there'll be, like, enough time in the season for them to, like, fully catch up. Maybe I'm, you know, looking down on somebody who I shouldn't as much at this point. But, you know, we'll start by why I think it's a clear title fight between those two. And at this point, it's mostly down to the fact that Red Bull and Ferrari have the two fastest cars. They each have their advantages in different areas. Red Bull a little better on the straights, um, and Ferrari a little bit quicker in the corners. Had it not been for Red Bull's Both of their cars dipping out of the last couple laps of Bahrain. The two teams will have taken P1 through P4 in both of the Grand Prix so far this season. And because, you know, those are the two fastest cars, it's going to turn out probably that the two drivers that are competing for the World Drivers Championship uh, are the two best drivers on those teams. And I think it's pretty clear at this point that Max and Charles are the best drivers on their team with the fastest cars. Max is the reigning champion. He's clearly better than Checo. I think everybody would admit that, so it's no question that he's the Red Bull driver who's most likely to win the championship. Charles, I think it's more up in the air whether he's better than Carlos, but he's outqualified him in both Grand Prixs this year, and he's outfinished them. So I think going forward, might, well, Carlos might steal a race or two for Charles this year, I think, at least at this point, it's probably Charles to lose it, as far as Ferrari goes. Um, but, you know, you saw it sort of showcased at Jeddah, at Saudi Arabia, with them battling out over the last few laps, I think that's sort of a preview of coming attractions for the season uh, as it goes forward. And I do think I have some opinions um, on who is the edge this year going forward, but uh, I'll let yeah, you step in first and see if you agree with me about Max and Charles in the tar- title fight.
0: I think the the prevailing thought for sure is that it's it's always just a two person battle, I, and uh-huh. that's how it is has been in the past. That's how it was last year, but. I'm going to pump the brakes, though, on that. I think okay. we actually have at least three. I think it's going to be an at least three-horse race, in my opinion. Interesting. Do I know who the three are? No, but this would be my guess. I actually think it's kind of likely that we have four, potentially. I think it's wow. Max and Charles. But I really do think, don't count Mercedes out yet. Lewis and George, I think, will enter the title fight. So for like If you look right now, George, I think, is two, uh, three points behind Max and two behind are right, in and then, um Lewis is 9 I think behind Max mm-hmm. right now so they're they're still really close and sure there was the DNF in the first race but those yeah. are going to happen like you don't get extra points for oh it, mm-hmm. they could have won that one but you know that's going to happen if engine reliability mm-hmm. is going to play a factor and this is the thing is merce we've seen this from Mercedes we saw this last year there was a three race stretch when they went to France Styria and then Austria where it was like oh, wow, Mercedes are really behind on the on the pace. Then all of a sudden there's a little break before Silverstone, and then what, all of a sudden they have the fastest car again. What the heck is happening? They love to play the PR game. Like, oh, we're not going to be fighting for wins for the, for, for the first half of the season, all this stuff. But their chief technical officer literally a few weeks ago says he thinks they're going to solve their problem in, like, three races. The, 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 the development war is going to be strong with these new cars right now.
1: No, I in Australia that. and also okay.
0: Australia is the first week where they could actually develop. They have time for developments, like because mm-hmm. Bahrain to Saudi Arabia, there was no there was no yeah, week yeah. like in between or anything. Now they have some time to develop the car. Like we saw Brazil even last year too. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like they bring some package upgrade. Mercedes have said they're going to bring upgrades to Australia. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think we definitely at least have three like a three horse race. Like I would say Lewis probably would enter. But yeah. George and we'll get into him later too, but I think George has a really good shot too.
1: I don't know. I think you're you're living a little bit off the Mercedes name at this point. Like there's a difference between <laughs> last year when they were clearly like a little bit behind Red Bullet points in the season versus like Lewis is out in Q one this year at points. He finished okay, P10. but George but
0: George was P four in Q one. Yeah, so P five. That's Lewis's fault. That's not Mercedes. Uh,
1: you know the car is just slower though. Like, shouldn't at least one of them, if the car is like up there, I think what a comparable position is. I read this an article and I think I agree. It's like 2017, 2018 Red Bull. Where it's like they were clearly two fastest cars back then, Mercedes and Ferrari, and Red Bull was like just a hair below. Like they can maybe compete in a race or two, win a couple, um, but they weren't really in the title fight. And I feel like that's where Mercedes is at at this point too. Like they seem to be a pretty significant step below the other two at this point. I don't think they, they, they up, are but... at this
0: point, but yeah, I think they're gonna catch up. It's <laughs> I, I think we can go off of the Mercedes name and that mm-hmm. Okay, so I I know there there's a worry about their engine and the mm-hmm. engine's fro most of the components were frozen on March first, but yeah. they still have three very major components that they can make upgrades on until September first. Mm-hmm. Um I, I wrote it down. It's like the MG UK, some about the ERS and um one other component. I should've I should have had this a little more handy, but um they still have time to develop that like yes they 100% have the worst engine at the moment but I think we just can't I think we can't count Mercedes out like two races in no time to develop and they looked really good in Barcelona too where a lot of people are like they're probably the second fastest car at that point so we've only seen them at two tracks like Saudi Arabia if they don't have a strong engine is never going to be a track for you if you don't have a strong engine there so Let's see what yeah. happens in, in Australia, I say.
1: But it, I feel like the engine is such a concern. Like, you see it across the board, and, like, yeah. every single car that's powered by a Mercedes engine, <laughs> whether it's McLaren or Williams, like, their cars are just, like, dragging down at the bottom of the field. And like you said, like, it's frozen on March 1st. Like, there's only so much you can do to, like, adjust when it comes to that. But,
0: yeah. But Mercedes is the best Mercedes-powered car, so. I know. Hey. <laughs> yeah, in that case. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. One thing I think um, is, or so no, how, how go into this actually, um, who do you think has the edge between Charles and Max? Oh, Max for
1: sure. Uh, I, as much as it begrudges me to admit, and I want to see Charles win, I think he's a he's a good dude. I like somebody else get a shot. And um, listeners of the pod will know I'm a, I'm a Lewis over Max type of guy. Yeah. Uh, so I still hold the grudge from last year. But you know, as far as Max goes, like he's been in a title fight already and won it. Whatever the circumstances were of the title fight, he still yeah. won one, and that's a huge advantage. Plus, I think Red Bull's straight line speed at this point might just be, like, too good for anybody, even Ferrari, to catch. Like, Charles was saying in, like, some post-race um, interviews agenda that it was nearly impossible for him to stay in front of the Red Bull for, like, a super prolonged period of time, especially when it had DRS. And I think, like, unless Ferrari makes some pretty major adjustments, the straight line speed of the Red Bull is just too good. And so I think that, coupled with Max's experience in title fights, um, gives him the advantage.
0: I wrote the same thing. Yeah, I think that just a more powerful engine and straight line, straight line speed, and kind of showing like some of the maturity of Max with the DRS zone battle last in Saudi Arabia, Yeah. where I I saw commentators say this in Bahrain. They're like, I don't know why Max didn't try a move in the second DRS zone in Bahrain. He always tried the first turn every time, and then every time got repassed. This time he was like, okay, I really need this DRS. Otherwise, it's just we're gonna be trading places the entire time. And Crofty made some interesting comment of of something like, has Patience, like, finally entered the vocabulary (sighs) of Max Verstappen? And and maybe it has, and you're realizing you do need... It's not always about every time you see a gap, dive-bombing up the inside and getting it, you know? Sometimes set it up for the next turn, set it up for the next DRS zone. So I yeah,
1: We'll see. I think... Well, there is some, like, maybe credence to the idea that, like, Max has gotten a little more patient at this point. I wait till like, the title fight heats up a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, I think, and, like, and it becomes, like, less certain, you know, that he's going to be the one who... Like, I think at this point, like, he's, like, the clear favorite, so maybe he's thinking, like, you know what, I don't have to, like, push it every single race and can, like, have some patience. And if that starts to tighten up as the year goes on, I could see him maybe losing that patience a little bit.
0: Yeah, but they... But he also has, last time he was going for his first, like yeah. he was like, this may be literally my only chance to mm-hmm. win a world title, which has been my goal since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing everything to get that title. Now it's like, I think that desperation, like desperation I think is a word for that last year, might be mm-hmm. a little gone this year.
1: Yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah, but, uh, We'll see how it plays out. But, I th- yeah. Or one thing too, uh-huh. yeah. I, I
0: found it really funny, kind of speaking of like last year's title fight too, they really the commentators really seem to emphasize like how clean the racing has been uh-huh. indicating like there's respect there's clearly respect there and basically implying that Lewis and Max didn't respect each other last year. Do you do you think that's kind of the case? Do you I think, think do you think that's, what that's like implying, what they're implying? I don't know if that's. Yeah. True. Do you think that's also the truth though?
1: I think that they're I don't know if respect is, like, the right word. I just think they're two super fierce competitors in, like, a way that maybe Charles hasn't shown himself to be. And Max might not be this year because he's not going for his first title. So I think it's just, like, maybe not that they didn't respect each other last year, but they were just, like, at such, like, the peak of their, like, competitive energy that, like, it maybe appeared that way sometimes. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think there's the minimum level of respect between Lewis and Max, personally. Okay. I I think they burned a lot of bridges last year, yeah. um, to be honest. And, like, because at the start of last season, too, after a race, like, they would, like, fist bump a little bit and, like, oh, this is such a fun mm-hmm. title fight. But then after Silverstone, it was, like, no, like, this guy's over the limit. He's celebrating while I'm in the hospital. All this, like, all that stuff yeah. started going off. Like, That's a good point as well. I, I think, uh... <laughs> I do think Max and Charles, because they, like, kind of grew up together, they're, Mm -hmm. like, in the same generation. There's probably a little bit more friendship there, where Lewis and Max, like, Lewis is the old guard, and Mm -hmm. he had won so many times before that Max – I think that, like, pissed off Red Bull and Max a lot more than Ferrari kind of all of a sudden, like, all right, well, Ferrari's back. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and, like, Ferrari and Red Bull, I feel like, are in, like, somewhat comparable positions as teams. Like, Red Bull's had more success recently, but it's still, like, last year was their first title. Yeah eight years right if i'm correct um yeah and so oh, i think that like they've been somewhat down for a while um and this is sort of like them and ferrari are both sort of on the ups again so it feels like yeah like a more even playing field rivalry in that way than the red bull mercedes one ever did
0: yeah like it's honestly really especially on the team principal side i think christian horner like actually like hates toto i don't think there's yeah, I, think so I don't too. think he respects toto I know. I don't either. I think from Toto, drive to and stuff too.
1: Yeah, but I feel like Toto sometimes is the attitude of like, where it's like Christian's like, "I hate you," and Toto's like, "I don't even think about you." Like, yeah, that's no, like he my definitely... impression of like what that relationship is like. Yeah, it absolutely is. Although there was a there was a picture of them after Bahrain talking to each other. I think about like I don't know. People <laughs> were making all the the stra- the talk about like maybe they were strategizing against like how to take down like the Ferrari and stuff <laughs> like that together. And I like,
0: okay, uh, okay. now Toto definitely. Uh, at Bahrain, Toto and Michael Massey definitely like, just flipped a switch off on the Red Bull engines and all this. They... Oh, absolutely. And they they've coordinated off. that for, <laughs> Some payback. for all the months
1: to come. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But if the title fight then is between Charles and Max, their teammates, they're probably going to play a pretty key part of it, with Carlos Sainz being wingman to Leclerc and Checo Perez being Max's sidekick yet again. But is playing the sidekick role what both of these guys are destined to do? Uh, Jared, I'll throw this question your way: Are Carlos and Checo's ceilings really good number twos, or given as much time they've had um, as their teammates on their team, could they someday compete for a World Drivers' Championship?
0: Oh yeah, this is tough. So I, you notice, you'll notice that last time I didn't say, I didn't mention necessarily Carlos and Checo. Mm-hmm. That's because I don't think it's likely that they will enter the title fight, but I don't think it's impossible by any means. I think it's less than 50%, but, like, more than 20 <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So I would feel more confident saying Carlos has a world champion ceiling than Checo because uh, this is the first season Carlos has ever had in a top-two car where this is Checo's now second season, right? And yeah. Carlos is younger, so he's had a little bit less races under his belt. And we talk about Carlos quite a bit on this podcast, like six times by my count. Yeah. And I try to look back, like, what has always been my take on Carlos? I've been pretty consistently harsh on him, actually. Even though he's my, favorite, he's my favorite driver, Like that's who I want uh-huh. to win the Drivers' Championship. I'll yeah. say that. But we normally talk about Carlos at the start of the season. Every time we've talked about him, has been at the mm-hmm. start of the season. And that's not, his, that's not his time to shine. He always mm-hmm. improves throughout the season and gets yeah. more comfortable with the car. And mm-hmm. when you go back, like I've been harsh on Carlos, but he beat Lando both seasons at McLaren. Mm-hmm. He beat yeah. Charles last it's, year at Ferrari. Year, like uh-huh. it's like... You kind of do forget that, though, because Leclerc, I know he can win a race. Uh-huh. I know, like, Leclerc has the world uh, world champion um, skill level in there. I am not. I don't know if Carlos does. Uh, he's yeah. shown kind of flashes of it, but first things first, like, he needs to win a race and, like, uh-huh. keep Max behind him, which I was hoping yeah. he would have done in Saudi Arabia, but he didn't do. He let Max pass him no. on the first corner, which he did. He said, like, he got a little unlucky... But you need to, you like need to know. He needs to know how to position the car when you're at the front of the grid, and uh-huh. and you know where to pick your spots, that sort of stuff. And yeah. now this is this is Charles is Carlos's best teammate besides Verstappen when he was at Toro Rosso. So uh-huh. um, that's that's on the Carlos side. On the Checo side, I think like if if I were to say like how likely, I think he's the sixth most likely to win the title, and and that he does have a shot. And yeah, he out qualified Max. That's pretty great. But he also did that the second race last year. Granted that one was yeah. a wet qualifying, this was dry, completely dry. So that was, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. But I've heard people say that currently the car suits the car like the way it drives suits Checo's style more than Max's apparently. And if Checo doesn't like get his foot in the door in these next like four races, they're going to start developing the car for Max, not for Checo. And then there's no shot at that oh. point. Not at Red Bull, at least. That won't happen at Red Bull.
1: No, I totally agree. And I think, like in looking at this question too, I took like a, a long term approach to like will it project out that like Carlos or Checo will ever win a World Drivers Championship? Or is there like ceiling sort of currently what it is where it's like, you know, they're the second best guy on a on a team that's competing for a championship? I think for Checo the answer is almost certainly like this is his ceiling um, at this point in his career. I think that a lot of it just sort of comes down to age and circumstance. Uh, I think this is probably the last great team Checo's ever going to be on. He's 32. He's not getting any younger. I mean, like, you know, anything can happen, but he'll always play second fiddle to Max, I feel like, on that team. Like, it'll be... I I think Horner loves Max too much for, like, (laughs) anything else to really happen. But also, like, Max, you know, is a world driver's champion, and I think that um, he'll always sort of be playing second fiddle to him. And, you know, Checo's a great driver. He was great at Racing Point and all those other stops. But I think... As long as he's on Red Bull, he'll be second fiddle, and I don't think he's going to get an opportunity on a better team going forward. So I think we're sort of capped at Checo's ceiling at this point. As much as, you know, he seems like a good guy and a good racer, I think it's not going to get much better than it is now. Carlos I have a little bit more faith on him. I don't know if it will be on Ferrari or not, but I think, like, his potential is pretty high. And yeah, I mean, you alluded to a lot of the reasons before, too. Like, he's consistently improved not only throughout every season, but, like, from season to season, like, every single time. And he, he like, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Like, his foresight and what he does and, like, his moves are, like, near unmatched, moving from Toro Rosso to Renault to McLaren to Ferrari. Every step of the way, he's made a step up in a team. And he beat, like he said, his teammates beat Lando. Both times he beat Charles last year. Like, he seems to just, like, tactically like have a really great awareness of the sport and not only like in race strategy, but also like looking at the greater picture. So I think like that's something that you can't discredit either and looking at how things will play out in the future.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good point. I think I don't, I'm, I am like, I don't think I'm as down on Checo as you, like we probably do know what he is at this point. Like he's like, he's more of a Bottas than, than a world champion. But To be fair, he did. He was dropping Max. Him and Leclerc were dropping Max at the start of uh, the Saudi Arabian GP. Like Max was losing Mm -hmm. time on them, and Max was in clear air too. Um, And honestly, maybe the only reason Max caught up to Leclerc was because of the virtual safety cars and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I don't want. I'm not going to give up on uh, you know. It's early in the season, so I'm not going to give up on anybody. But yeah, Mm Checo does need to show like he can win a race in like the next two or three races. So that cuz Red Bull has proven that they they can't operate with two number ones basically. They always end up picking a one or two like even when it was uh, Vettel and Weber, which I wasn't a fan back then, but when they were their first little um stint of winning championships, it didn't work back then either. Like there's yeah, just going to be too much fireworks. And I think Red Bull like uniquely seems to to not be able to have an equal driver dynamic where Ferrari it seems like maybe they could, actually. Like, Carlos and yeah. Leclerc, they got... Granted, it's different when you're fighting for, P, for a third, when you have the third fastest car and not first, mm-hmm. but they seem to uh, be able to, to mesh well a lot better than other teammate pairings have.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to that point, too, do you think there's any scenario in which Red Bull chooses to have, like, Checo be the number one driver over Max at this point?
0: <sighs> yeah, that's true.
1: Um, no, they never would. Yeah. Exactly. Unless they were, so,
0: unless at some point you might be forced to, you know, if you get into like the 18th race, and Checo has a 30 point lead over Max, which isn't really yeah. that big. I don't know. But, I don't know how they could do it. Like, you'd have to look to like Mercedes with Nico and Lewis. That's, I guess, mm-hmm. back in like 2016, and that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, are these drivers a Bottas? Or are they a Nico Rosberg? Where they're probably not as good. Or, like, in Checo's case, they're definitely not as good as Max. Mm-hmm. Carlos, probably not as good as Leclerc. But can he get mm-hmm. – is he good enough to get one title out of this run, though? That's what Nico Rosberg did. You know yeah, what I mean? It
1: wouldn't shock – and that's where I think it comes down to it for me. But like, for Carlos, it wouldn't shock me if he mm-hmm. could somehow pull out a title out of this run. But Checo, would, just because I feel like he's, like, so clearly the number two on that team. And bar, like, yeah, that's catastrophic true. failures back to back to back or whatever from Max, like <laughs> – in which it becomes like mathematically impossible for him to be the one that wins the title on Red Bull. Like I can't see them possibly. I can't see Max honestly possibly like relenting that role to Checo. Yeah, but. that's true.
0: Hopefully someday they'll Same. get that number one, number two driver mentality out of their head. out of their heads. I feel like it just ruins teams. I don't, know, I don't know why they do that, but
1: I do too. But I mean, I, I get it from a strategy perspective. Like if you're, you know, trying to have a world drivers champion, it doesn't. Makes sense if your guys are both splitting the points every time, whereas, you know, another team is clearly has a number one who's just getting the points every time. So
0: Yeah, that's true. But that's gonna conclude the that title talk there. A team that's definitely not fighting for the title right now is McLaren. <laughs> Last year they were battling with Ferrari for best of the rest. They uh grabbed a race win in the process at Monza, but this year McLaren has um only had one point's finish, obviously, between his two drivers in the first two races of the season. They've lacked pace in both races. So, Lucas, what do you think has caused McLaren's struggles? And do you think Lando is now regretting his very public long-term deal that he signed right now?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think what it comes down to at this point of why they struggle so much is just it's a bad car. And I don't think it's super more complex than that. Um, especially since when McLaren did have a relatively competitive car last year. Uh, lando especially but also danny rick put in really great driving performances lando got multiple podiums danny rick got a race win. pretty good overall season that represents like pretty solid progress from mclaren who had been really down like four or five years ago but sort of climbed their way back up to the top of the midfield this year though the car has super serious issues uh we've mentioned the mercedes engine already it's bad it's like very clearly not up to par and in addition to that like the car just really lacks downforce too and they've just struggled as a result of it, but I think the more interesting, you know, question out of what is happening with McLaren now is whether Lando is regretting his deal. Uh, and I think to some extent uh, he might be uh, at this point. Now I don't think it's like you know I'm not gonna like completely write off Lando and his future McLaren and that you know his career is over and McLaren's the sky is falling. But that being said, I think if Lando looks around a little bit, there are some reasons to maybe regret what's going on right now. Seems like all of Lando's peers, the ones who are relatively, you know, like early to mid twenties, um, and supposed to be competitive with him, are all in better cars for the most part. Max is in a Red Bull, competing for titles. George Russell's in Mercedes, who, you know, despite Mercedes struggles this year a little bit, they're still, you know, very solidly even with their struggles, the third best team in the field this year, I think at this point. And Charles is in a in a Ferrari, and competing for a title too at this point. So I think if I don't know, he's looking around and thinking. Uh, he might be regretting some things. He looks at the Ferrari seat where his ex-teammate, Carlos Sainz, is too. He was now on a title-competing team, whereas he's in a team that looks like it might be sort of like stapled to the bottom of the order this year in terms of, you know, his performance. So I wouldn't be surprised if Land was thinking that his talent might be wasting away a little bit in McLaren while all his peers are sort of succeeding at the higher level around him. And, I mean, he's in the long-term deal. I don't know what will happen there. But if he hadn't signed that... You know, maybe there's an opening in the future at like a a Red Bull if Checo goes or something like that. Yeah, Um, next season potentially. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it's like, but now that he's locked in with McLaren, it's sort of like he might be on a team that's headed in completely the wrong direction.
0: Yeah, so, well, I definitely agree with that. That's definitely a very logical way to look at it. But I think if if you're Lando and you're looking at this like, obviously, like, he's looking at McLaren as a long-term project. Mm-hmm. And I think you, if you look at it, at it a long-term project and, like, assist, assess the situation, like, McLaren is a race-winning brand. They know how to win titles, like, organizationally they have. Obviously, they're in a rough patch. And, like, it's a car manufacturer. If you go to Red Bull, it's like, they're good right now, but do do we know, like, that they're going to sustain this? They're not even a car manufacturer. They're an energy <laughs> drink company. You look at Ferrari, Leclerc's there for 10 years probably. Signs, mm-hmm. maybe not as long, but he's probably there for a long time. Yeah. Then you look at McLaren, George Russell, he's there for 10 years. Lewis, like Lewis's seat will be open at some point pretty soon, mm-hmm. but you can't really bank on that if you're if you're Lando. So I look, McLaren's taking the, taking the risk on me. I'm going to take the risk on them. And I think with, Mc, with F1's attempts at parity... McLaren's like little rough patch might end up being a more of a blip than a uh, than like a real crisis, I guess. Like the rumors right now are that Volkswagen wants to is like ready to approve two of their brands to enter the mm-hmm. sport with Audi and Porsche, and then McLaren and that McLaren will team up with Audi, adding a fifth engine manufacturer. And if that's an exclusive deal, that car like that's that's look at how Red Bull did it, basically. Honda's only supplying Alfa and Red Bull. And I think that probably helped them. Where Mercedes is supplying four cars on the grid. Four cars on the grid. You get your own exclusive engine partner. And I think that's going to help McLaren out a lot. Granted, that's not going to happen until, until 2025, which is when Lando's deal is going to come in. It's going to expire. But I think Lando, if you're looking at it from the long term, I think I think you know that like it's like a stock market. There's gonna be crashes. Mm-hmm. But at at the at the end of the day, McLaren's stock is always as an F one team is always gonna go up, I think.
1: I don't know. I, I like I think the like looking at McLaren's history, like even as somebody who like likes him as a team over the last, you know, fifteen years or whatever, it's been like a pretty rough run of it. I think like Lewis was their last title with his first title. And since then, like they've had some real bad down years and that like the last three years have been kind of a return to form a little bit as they sort of like climb their way back up. But like this is a real crash back to earth again. If it took like, you know, four or five years to dig out of like the last pit, like if Lando's looking at that and projecting forward, like that's the end of his deal at this point. And if like the light at the end of the tunnel is the Audi deal or is getting that new engine manufactured, then again, that's at the end of his deal. And what's it good for him to stick around on something that's a maybe at that point? And while I think you're selling Red Bull short a little bit, like I'm they've a had put, they they've <laughs> put together like a, a pretty consistent run of like being an excellent team for like the, the last 13, 14 years at the very least and I think that like you know while there are ups and downs in that the ups and downs that Red Bull has are far less dramatic and with far better results than McLaren has had over that exact same time period um and I think that if Checo seat opens next year like that would be a great opportunity for Lando to go in and go into something that's at least more of a sure thing than betting on McLaren's stock to like shoot back up by the time his contract expires.
0: Well, okay, but Lando has a cautionary tale on his own team right now, Daniel Ricciardo. Mm-hmm. Look at what happened with Daniel Ricciardo. He's saying, you know what, I'm on Red Bull. Sure, I see the trajectory, but I'm going to chase the next best thing here. I'm going go to go and go to Renault or wherever. Yeah, he go to Renault. Uh look at Lando doesn't I don't think want to be in that situation now like Ricardo honestly probably not going to win a title in his career at this point looking at the trajectory probably not going to he might not even be with McLaren next year you know they might get Gasly or something you know who who knows so I think Lando has that cautionary tale on his own team that is commit to the project that you've been sold on with the vision
1: that's fair but I think that's also like a very different scenario it is different different. yeah I mean I can understand where the cautionary tale might come from but there's like There's so many dynamics of why he left it with, like, Max coming up and, like, all of that. I think, like, don't make it a completely translatable scenario. And I think that, like, at that point, too, like, Red Bull was probably more of a short thing than Renault was. Like, he was just sort of looking for an out. And, like, he, he was almost betting on the process when Danny Rick did when he moved to Renault as opposed to with Red Bull. So I think, like, the betting on the process thing is more reflected in his failure at Renault than it is in his decision to leave Red Bull. I don't know. I just like he's young still. What he's uh, yeah, twenty one? Twenty two? yeah, I don't
0: right? actually know how old he is. I think he's younger than us though. Yeah,
1: yes. Uh yeah, he's twenty two. Um uh, he's ninety nine. Um so yeah, I mean he's still young. What if he gets out of the end of the McLaren deal, he's twenty seven. He still has more than enough time to like go and do something, I think. But
0: And too as- the other thing too is that um I feel like F one drivers are like veteran NFL quarterbacks, and that like they're still really good when they're old now. Like if you look at like Alonzo, Lewis, mm-hmm. not really vettel that much, but Alonzo and Lewis, I would say they're re- and like even look at Bottas and look at Magnussen, mm-hmm. they come in yeah. a year out of the sport for Magnussen, oh. and he wipes the floor with Mick, you know, and gets a and gets a P five in the first mm-hmm. race. You know, I think there's like nothing better than just having reps in a Formula mm-hmm. One car. So yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't want to, like, say, well, oh, yeah, I, st- I still have until I'm 40 to win a title. You want to yeah. win one next year or this year, but you're right.
1: But yeah, you can play the long. He has plenty of bit. time. But yeah, like, when you get to the McLaren deal, like, he's only 13 more years of his life until he's how old Alonzo is now. And not that, like, is competing for a title, but he's still, like, an excellent racer. and I think Yeah, Everton, definitely. Like, recognizes that at this point. And if he were in a better car and if and if, and if a thousand other things, like, it's not truly really out of the realm of possibility that he would be competing.
0: I actually saw this. Um, I don't remember who it was, but somebody made some like my F1 2025 predict- predictions, I saw, and they, and a, they okay, said it was yeah. going to be uh, Max and uh, Lando at Red Bull. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I can see that. I saw one of those two where they thought Danny Rick might take over for Lewis and Mercedes when he leaves as
0: well. Wow. Finally his big break there. I
1: know. But who knows going forward? Well, speaking of Mercedes, we're going to round off our show today with a little uh, Mercedes talk. Mercedes, you know, we can debate the extent to which they've struggled this season, but they are certainly not the juggernaut that they have been since 2014, 2015, 2016. Like that time period. Um, In Bahrain, Lewis managed to snag a podium, but he didn't make it out of Q1 in Jetta. Rotasol's put in solid P4, P5 finishes, but hasn't really been in true contention for podiums and wins at this point. And in both of these races, you can make the argument that Mercedes has been out-strategized in addition to their car-lacking pace. So, Jared... I'll let you go off I have opinions on this. Does Mercedes race strategy fall short when they don't have the fastest car on the grid? And if so, how dramatically has the failure of this strategy hurt them this year?
0: It is time to admit that Mercedes is not great (laughs) at race strategy as a team. It's just time to admit that. They are great at developing a car. They showed that last last generation, right? But when it comes to race day, I think teams like Red Bull have easily passed them in terms of being a well-oiled machine. So their race strategy has not hurt them this year per se, because they're still comfortably the third fastest team. But mm-hmm. like look and look at Bahrain for this example. They made a terrible decision of pitting for hard tires, Hard tires <laughs> in lap 11, went for 16 laps on them, and they were like, okay, that was not the right decision. Yeah. Pitted again on lap 27. No idea what they were thinking, but they still they would have finished fifth and sixth without the Red Bull power outage that happened essentially. Mm-hmm. So still comfortably the third best team. But then that's good enough for third. But when you're fighting for first, you can't have – and you don't have that car advantage anymore. You can't have these – and you don't have Michael Massey, you know, ruining stuff. You can't have these, these strategy issues. And I think, like, it'll, it'll beat Alpine, or Alpine, Haas, McLaren, but it's not going to beat Red Bull and Ferrari. So, like – and Lewis's P10 result in Saudi Arabia. That was not necessarily poor race, race strategy, but it was poor setup. Of the car compared to George And so I think the, the people at the track Kind of need to get up to the Up to par of the people in the factory In, in some ways I think also, I also think last race like Lewis definitely was feeling like The political pressure of the weekend Because he's like he sees himself as an activist And mm-hmm. that was definitely inconsistent with his brand uh, But yeah. he's never He's never going to admit that because he's an athlete And like he's got that mindset That mm-hmm. But I think that definitely was a factor
1: But oh,
0: I, I think Mercedes When you look at them their, for me, their last great pitch strategy move was way back in Barcelona last year, where, where at that mm-hmm. time, Lewis was P2, was pushing Max, couldn't pass him. So they committed to a two-stop, made up a second a lap, and then passed Mac, Max when his tires were dead at the end. Mm-hmm. That's like the last great strategy move that I can remember. I can remember a lot of their mistakes, though. At yeah, Monaco, yeah. at Monaco, they allowed themselves to be overcut by like two or three drivers via pitch strategy, and then they mm-hmm. couldn't even get Bottas's wheel off his car and had the longest pit stop in F1 history. The -hmm. French Grand Prix, Red Bull pulled the Barcelona on them, committed to the two-stop, got Mm passed. The Turkish Grand Prix, they pitted Lewis really late in the race and lost him two places where, Mm -hmm. like, those little moves, then maybe you don't even need need to worry about Michael Massey ruining the race at the end. You get second, you're still a world champion at that point. And then the worst of all, Hungary... When they they went around on their formation lap, everybody else pitted for them for, for drier tires, except uh-huh. for Lewis, who he's the only one starting the race. And you just uh-huh. gave up an easy race win when Verstappen yeah. when they were easily the fastest car that day. Like, mm. and if you look at Bahrain specifically, every single one of Ferrari and Red Bull's pit stops were faster than Mercedes' fastest pit stop that day.
1: That's crazy.
0: And they they're not they're and same in Saudi Arabia. Um, pretty much every team just pitted once. Their pit stop with George was 8th fastest, which was slower than Max, Checo, Leclerc. Mm. Um, Lewis was 12th fastest. And their solution last year for that was invent some or make up some rules or directives, essentially, that slow down the teams that are better at that than you, which is a little annoying. So when it comes down to a tight battle, I don't think the Mercedes pit wall is strong enough, to be honest, to be a Red Bull and Ferrari pit wall right now when you look at their history and how this season has started for them.
1: Do you think that's the nature of just them being so dominant for so many years that they haven't had to have yes. a, a superior race strategy, and now that they're not in, like, that dominant position, that they're just sort of struggling with developing that?
0: Absolutely. I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, and I it's, think so Red, well. And,
0: like, yeah, when you look at Red Bull, they had to scrap for every single point. How are we doing this for your race strategy? hmm And Ferrari even is going to have to start doing that probably a little bit too, so...
1: Yeah. Do you trust them to catch up? I know you said you trust, like, the technical side of things to catch up from Mercedes relatively soon, but do you think... Like how quickly do you think the race strategy will come in there as well?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if I trust them because I haven't seen it as consistently as I have seen the the people at the factory, you know, mm-hmm. making that car better. That we've so seen that we've seen them make some really good strategy calls in the past, mm-hmm. but more often than not, they've made really bad calls. So, and hindsight's 2020, 20, but Red Bull got it has got it right a lot of the time. Ferrari so far has got it really right, even with mm-hmm. when you look at Saudi Arabia. Sure, they got lucky with Latifi's safety car, but they deeked, they like faked Red Bull into a pit stop basically by going yeah. over the radio and saying, We're pitting, we're pitting. They forced check out a pit, and then they're the beneficiaries of that. So, you know what I mean? I think Ferrari's maybe caught up. When you look at the pit stops, like I said, Ferrari actually was even on par or faster than Red Bull in a couple pit stops. So, um, I'm not, com- I'll say I'm not confident that the Mercedes pit wall can catch up this year.
1: Yeah, I think with Ferrari too, like I said, some were sort of trying to like scrap through the sort of lean years and like, especially two years ago, back in 2020, when they really had to like scrap out every single point, every single week. Um That like, you just have to rely on race strategy and I feel like that has put them in a really good spot to where they're at now as well.
0: Yeah, you even, I don't remember which race this was, but it just came to mind. There was a race where they were telling Carlos to pit and he was like, no, I'm not pitting guys. Like, uh-huh. think about this strategy. It makes no sense. And, I don't remember I have to go back and which race that was, but I think that's a a point in Carlos's favor in how he's like kinda of changed the maybe the the way that Ferrari operates a little bit more and like he's not happy with podiums anymore. He's like P two probably could have had a race win today. P three mm-hmm. could have had a P two today. You know what I mean? It's just like the expect the he's kinda of raised the bar, I think, at Ferrari a little bit, even though he might not be the one that wins the title this year. I think he deserves a lot of that credit, but that's getting off the topic. No,
1: no I totally agree with that. All right, so we're going to finish off our episode today with just two predictions. Jared, who's on your podium for Australia?
0: Okay, podium, I think P1. Gosh, I haven't even seen Australia since I've been a fan because they haven't had this race yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go P1. I'm going to go Carlos Sainz. I'm just going to do it. P1, Carlos Sainz, which means I think P2 is Leclerc and P3, Max. But Lewis, Lewis, and and, Char, and uh, George aren't too far behind, in fifth and sixth. They're, I think they're going to make Mercedes will make a leap, but I'm not sure they're going to finish on a podium necessarily.
1: What yeah, about you? I think my prediction for Mercedes is similar. Like I think I'm not as confident that they'll make a big leap. I think they'll be comfortably fifth and sixth again, maybe a little closer than they have been in other races. I think my podium. I think Max will win, and then I think. I don't know I, I feel ominous maybe about Charles this time I think maybe he'll uh, you know for whatever reason have to retire oh. no basis for that <laughs> so I think I'll go Max Sainz Checo then Lewis Ford Russell 5 okay. right out of the podium
0: okay we'll have to wait and see
1: exactly so if you like what you heard today keep listening we do Formula 1 shows with relative frequency at this point they're all called Pit Stop if you want to look on SoundCloud on Spotify on Apple Podcasts wherever we are if you, you see that Pit Stop tag at the beginning it's all about F1 so keep listening make sure to subscribe on all those platforms we just mentioned give us a 5 star rating I'll rebrand with Lunch guys it's going great we got a lot of new shows got a lot of great new content and if you want to be along for the ride keep on listening thanks for tuning in